it is your host, Mariam Ernest, and welcome to the Recovery from Fragmented Families podcast. This podcast is dedicated to you, my wonderful listeners and subscribers who have been affected by family estrangement. And now you seek out your own journey to emotional recovery, inner healing, and self-discovery. This podcast will cover all aspects of family estrangement and will dig deeper to uncover the deep seeded reasons of why people choose to cut ties with their families for good or why others have been cut off by their families. But most importantly, we will cover how they have made a full recovery from this or at least how to live with it. These conversations will not only inspire you, motivate you and educate you, but will also serve as a guide to a life of fulfillment, free from anger and resentment, by activating your inner strength of resilience and transforming your mindset. We can't wait for you to join us. You are amongst families and friends. So let's get started on this journey. All right. So hello, guys. Welcome to this week's episode. I have my amazing guest and she's a fellow podcaster. Her name is Rachel. Although she has an interesting podcast and she's a co-host with our friend Grace, uh, they have a lot of interesting episodes that discuss everything. So it's not like a specific topic. It's about soul conversations. Uh, we can all relate to some of the topics they speak. But what Rachel's here today is to share her story of estrangement. Now, Rachel's experienced estrangement and she's going to share her story. Not only she's going to share her story, she's going to share her beginning, her middle and her ending, where she is now. Uh, which I call is a place of maybe acceptance, a place of balance, a state of clarity to some degree, to some of us. Um, now, I'm not, I don't know Rachel's story, so what you're going to hear is going to be the first time I'm hearing it too. And I love that element of surprise. So hi, Rachel, please introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Hi, Miriam. Thank you so much for inviting me here and I really want to thank you for your your story your what you're doing for people who are estranged uh, I know when I saw your channel it felt like a breath of fresh fresh air for me and a comfort factor uh, that someone was not being secretive about this very it's so important this topic and I don't get to hear about it enough so I really want to thank you for that because that's how that got us together yes. you know Instagram and I looked up family and stranger and then I found your channel so really thank you so much for that so no, I you. needed to say that yes mm -hmm. and my name is Rachel like Miriam said I am a podcaster I speak on Soul Speak, and like Miriam said, we talk about an array of topics. A lot of them are either discourse with between Grace and I, or it's become a lot of mental health topics, yes. uh, issues that affect my mental health, especially with trauma. 
anywhere that I go that I'll talk about myself, I will mention trauma because that is unfortunately a big factor uh, in my life. So uh, I talk a lot about that and it's really therapeutic. I have loved to talk since I was a kid. I used to get in trouble in class. So this was bound to happen. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's me. I love to write. I am a poet. I use that also therapeutically. Yeah. I am writing a memoir in order to, everything I write is basically therapeutic. It, it's for me to release this energy within myself that I've been, um, I've been bound by since I was a kid. So, yeah. That is me, and I love to talk about like freeing myself, transcending yes. and, and getting to another level, a better, higher yes. level. So that's the summary of me in a nutshell. And I guess, should I go right into my story? Oh, yeah, um, no, I was just going to say that, um, you know, I, I love that you mentioned energy, um, because mm. often when we go through certain traumatic events and experiences, we, we have this energy and it's about turning that energy and you're turning this energy into artistic expression in terms yeah. of writing, in terms of poetry and even podcasting. Um, it's all about releasing the energy. So Absolutely. you know what, you can get into your story. I would love to hear <laughs> the beginning of your story because okay. the reality is whenever we are strangers, there's a beginning, there's a middle and sometimes there's an open ending or there's a full ending. And mm. um, so I would love to hear your story from the beginning and mm -hmm. how, where you at to your, where you're here now, this smiling, beautiful lady in front of me. Oh, thank you. Well, I've always been of an upbeat character and I guess that's a good thing that has kept me um, at a higher level, not yeah. depressed. Although I do suffer from depression and anxiety. So my story begins with a lot of trauma, the whole lot of it. Um, I am from Haiti. I was born in Haiti, but I, my family emigrated to the U.S. when I was two years old. So I'm in New York and I've been in New York for a while. And my Haitian family household is a strict one or was a strict one. So um, I blame a lot of that, even though on them directly, which and when I say them, I mean my grandparents. I, I was raised with my maternal grandparents, my mother and my stepfather. And I blame this harshness. It, it, a lot of, of stuff goes back to slavery, especially yeah. when it comes to uh, Black people and of the diaspora. Yeah. So they are a harsh lot you know, where punishment is concerned. Um, emotional intelligence is very low. Anger is high and unprocessed trauma of theirs is not, is they haven't worked on it. So I would say I came out of that type of environment yeah. and I, I am outspoken and was outspoken since I was a kid. And one of the biggest ways I've, I had to advocate with, for myself was I was sexually molested by oh my, my stepfather. Yes. So I eventually, and I, I think about the miracle of me actually telling someone. There yeah. was a program in school 
And um, I, do they do these anymore? I'm sure they do these, but there was a program in school, it yeah. was a puppet show, and they were talking about um, being touched inappropriately. Oh, yes. And I remember being in shock because the way that the show was presented, of course, it didn't seem about that. It seemed like a show, you know, attractive to kids. Yes. But I did get the point of, you know, what they were talking about. Yeah. And I came to recognize that, oh, this is what I'm going through. And I, I was um, I was shocked in the seat that I was at. Yeah. And they called, it was, I called this, this was an altar call at the end where they said to children, if you, if this is happening to you, or if you have any questions, they didn't say the questions part at first. Yeah. I don't remember that, but they said, if you have any questions, if, if this is happening to you, come up. Wow. And I was like, I, I was stuck. I, I did not believe wow. that I could go up there, that I should yeah. go up there. And they called several times yeah and eventually when he when they said if you have any questions I did go up yeah and I let them know what my story was I I was so scared because yeah. I remember the guy who was the puppet yeah. he um he looked like Ernie from Sesame Street That's oh my I god yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how, how old so, were you at the time I was eight years old oh, wow. so the, just... the molestation had been happening from the age of six and how I remember that is I remember what what grade what teacher I had. Okay. Um, so from the age of six to, to eight years old. Mm -hmm. And I I went up to the mm -hmm. guy and I was so scared that I whispered in his ear, to be wow. honest. I, I whispered. And a, an eight-year-old, when I think when I'm able to think about it now, it's so sad that yes. an eight-year-old had to be that brave. brave that's incredible so incredible so um absolutely like to, to to make it short i'll just say you know from there a counselor school counselor came they mm -hmm. when she said she would tell my mother i was i i wanted to take everything back because my mother and i yes we did not have a good relationship from when I was a kid, my mother, I was scared of her and yeah. I thought she hated me, to be honest, is how I felt about my mother. So um, they told my mother I was removed from the home. I was taken into foster care, foster care. Yes, and I, I had siblings. So and at the time, there were three of us. So all of us went into foster care. Yeah. So that's like the foundation, my foundation with my family. And so how, how um, old were your siblings at the time? Were they older than you or younger than you? Younger. So okay. I'm the eldest. I have a brother who's four years younger and a sister who's eight years younger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So at, during that time, my family did not believe my story. They no. did not believe my story. So that is the foundation of my family, you know, um, putting things under the rug. rug and yes. I am so not that person mm -hmm. that there was always, always friction. Yes. So by the time I came back from foster care, I was in foster care for two years. Um, yes. How it felt to me is my, my brother and my sister Mm -hmm. went to my to live with my mother and my stepfather because she was still with him at the yeah. time because 
they didn't so believe. This, this was after you came out of foster care. Your your sibling yeah. also came out of foster care. They were giving back to your mom and your stepdad. Yes. And I was sent to my grandparents. And I will say sent because that's how I was. Yeah. I was ostracized yes. to some place. So, and with my grandparents, number one, they're older generation. Yes. So older generation, there's always going to be a gap. And this is what two generations yes. and how they believe a child should behave was definitely not my, not my behavior yes they were controlling and I was not about that life mm-hmm. so we clashed a lot especially me and my grandfather he was a tyrant this is what I call he was a tyrant man um and we clashed a lot like yes. and it shocked my system at first when I was younger like I couldn't believe this level of aggression Mm -hmm. and he's loud and my mother is similar to him, but not he of the level degree. So any, yes, he was. So I became aggressive too, to fight him off basically uh, verbally. There was a lot of verbal abuse, Mm -hmm. emotional abuse. He also, he abused my grandmother. And at one point he physically abused her so but I didn't see that part but yeah. my mother grew up in that type of environment so so we're which is another about, reason it's like extreme uh-huh. exposure to domestic abuse yes extreme and I was also becoming a factor like a a participant mm. in this type of behavior in order to protect myself yes um I, I could have went another way, but my personality is not like that. So I fought back. And yeah. that was a very difficult uh, stance to take because constantly I was being attacked so I could be broken down. Yeah. So, so would you say, would you say you would have been a classic, what would they would call the black sheep of the family because of your outspoken? Absolutely. Right. Black sheep, uh, scapegoat. But yes. That is she. Yes. That's me. yes. Um, and it didn't matter how much truth I was saying, how much that, that just didn't matter. And I didn't understand at the time. I, I fought my little heart out and it really just, I just burnt energy, but I'm glad I was the warrior that I was for myself. But, um, by the time, like growing up in my grandparents' house, I just, I was like, I couldn't wait to leave. That was my mantra from, and I started living there at 11 years old. Um, that was my mantra until I finally got into, I actually got into a physical fight with my grandfather. Oh my God. So things reach about boiling point. Yes. And actually when it happened, he like hit me a little, it really was, he didn't hit me ever before. And it was literally a tap, but I was ready and set to go. Like I was like, I was waiting for this for years. So I laugh about it now, but it definitely, definitely wasn't funny at the time. So, um, mm-hmm, go ahead. Did, did you feel like um, when you moved in after being in foster care for so long and knowing the reasons that you're in foster care, was there any kind of emotional support offered to you by your grandparents or be one of those things? Let's just brush it under the carpet. We're not going to speak about it. You know, we're not even going to acknowledge why you were in foster care in the first place. And I can imagine as a child, that would have been extremely traumatizing. The fact that that what you spoke 
it's not even taken into consideration your pain your experience completely invalidated by the people who are supposed to care for you by the adults around you could that be a source sometime of your being so angry as well and also being exposed to extreme mm. um extreme abuse uh, to be honest uh, in your yeah. primary environment yeah um yes i would say how they treated it was even a step further yeah. it was it was kind of pushed under the rug but it was also shoved in my face um i oh yeah this was this this is really just really um i i don't know really tragic i remember my um my grandmother she told me that nobody wanted me at their house like basically i'm imagining that there was like like some type of survey or something that was done because we're trying to figure out what to do with rachel and um nobody in the family wanted me because I would um, uh, how seduce their husband. That's exactly what she told me. But you were just a child. Uh, girl, when I, when I oh. tell you, the level of shock that I have about that still hasn't been completely processed. Process. Yes. Com- still hasn't been. Because I feel the effect of that in my gut when I'm speaking it. Yes. So it definitely yeah. still needs to go through the, the processing stage. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes. So it was, yeah, it was in between being brushed under the rug or being, oh, or weaponized against me. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, when I think of it now, I'm at least glad that I'm able to connect to the emotions because I wasn't able to connect to these emotions at one time which it sounds counterintuitive to want to connect mm-hmm. to the emotion, but I recognize that I need to connect. Well, we to have that. to, when we go through yeah. some, when you go through something as traumatic as that, mm-hmm. you do have to go through the process. Cause if you, you know, what they say that if you don't process that emotions, you either, you either pass it back or pass it on to the new generation. And yeah. to some degree, for example, when, you know, they, they, when you say that the older generation, the way their process information was, you know, to pretend it wasn't happening to brush things under right. the rug, but in right. turn, they end up pr- passing that trauma to the new generation like yourself. So that the yeah. way your grandmother handled these things, she passed on to her mom, the way her mom handled it, passed it on to mm-hmm. you. And yes. it's because of this idea that let's not talk about it. It's not existing. It's not happening. If I don't talk about it, right. if I bury it under the, whatever I'm going to bury it under, I can just mm-hmm. move on with my life. But that's not how the subconscious right. mind works because at some point, at, the, at some point, it comes bubbling on the surface and at some point mm-hmm. just like a volcano it goes poof erupt yes and i could see that in my family because there were constant eruptions Marianne, yes. constant my grandparents argued and this is not an exaggeration not only did they argue every single day they argued several times in the and, day yes wow. So that is, and I carried that into my marriage. I'm not married anymore. And that's a whole thing because I just, I had decided that I was not going to be anything like them. Well, yeah, let me tell you, I carried that some, a lot of their stuff came in with me um, as an adult. So at the teenage years now, I had a physical fight with my grandfather 
And my mother, he, he basically kicked me out and said that my mother had to come get yeah. me. Yeah. And it was interesting because I never imagined me living in my mother's house again, yeah. even though I had prayed for that. That yeah. is one thing like I, um, and I'm in my book that I'm writing right now, this is yeah. how I described it. I, to a certain extent, was angry at my grandmother because yeah. she was doing my mother's job. Mm. And that's great that she was doing that. I, I thank her, even though she was, she had some toxic behaviors. Yeah. She's the one who actually loved me, showed me love yeah. at all, yes. to be honest. But I was angry also at my grandmother for something she yeah. could not control for yeah. being my mother. And my spirit was always looking for my mother. Yes. because I think so, when, when you disclose what happened to you you disclose mm -hmm. it to receive help it wasn't a disclosure for yeah. you to be rejected by your mother right but essentially right. when you disclose that you know it was she essentially chose her husband your stepfather over you yeah. right yeah and later down the line when you re you know when you came out of foster care you went you were sent to live as you said ostracized to your grandparents yeah while the other two siblings went to live with your mom and your stepdad so again right. this is the second time you've been chosen over again yes yes yeah yeah so at that point and I was 17 at this point yeah. when my grandfather and I got into our fight um I was happy to go with my mother but it was mixed I was not happy at the same time yeah and believe it or not at that point, she was still with my stepfather. So I was going to have to go live with him. Yeah. And oh I goodness. was petrified. And this is me at 17, even though a part of me also, mm -hmm. also was like, I wish um, MF or would basically <laughs> like, because I'm older, I'm bigger. I'm, yeah. there was also a part of me that was absolutely petrified. You will be. Um, and, and I and I had to live with my abuser. Like I lived with my mother for mm -hmm. um for another year after that wow. until I left her. How I left her was I had met a guy who was my ex-boyfriend now. Mm -hmm. I met him and like after three months, yeah, I was visiting him, but my mother was really strict at 18 years old and first of all I'm 18 and I wasn't raised with you so I don't want you to be telling me what to do there's all of that going on yeah. and my curfew was 10 10 o'clock yeah so I she would do all types of things like at 10.05 not let me in the house at 10.01 oh. not let me in the house so then I will go back to his house and um at one point she said well you like him so much why don't you go live with him and I literally said, yes, I will. Wow. And that's how, and that was that's how I left. That is how I so left. So you essentially left home literally at 18 years old. Literally at 18. And I thought at that point, my life was free. Because yes. this is what I had always wanted. wanted. And this is when I came to recognize who I was yes. outside of my family. So that started one of the first estrangements, even though that wasn't the first because I was in foster care. I would say foster yeah. care was the first 
estrangement. And I never thought of it that way. Oh, um, so Rachel, before, when you were in foster, mm-hmm. did your mom used to come and visit you at all at your parents? She, she did come, but not often. If I remember correctly, I might have seen my mother over like maybe three times over a course of almost three years being in foster care. Wow. Yeah. And actually, I was, I was asked. Um, by the social worker and I don't know why they do this and if mm-hmm. they still do this in ACS they need to stop mm-hmm. they asked me if I wanted to go home and I said I did not want to because they said mm-hmm. I, um, they they asked me if I wanted to live with my grandparents I said no I remember my grandfather I did not want to want live to there live. and they sent me there, there anyway. anyways so would, uh, at that time would your arrival stayed in foster care yes I would absolutely mm-hmm. abundantly yes Yes. Because the type of culture I was getting exposed to, and mm-hmm. even though it wasn't my family, I wasn't, um, I wasn't in prison and my family felt like a prison. Everything was a control thing. Mm. Um, it, it was, it was so, it was a dungeon in my family. So did you, did you, would you say you had made a meaningful connection with your caregivers in foster care at the time that was... Yes, I would say, especially with my foster dad. Yeah. He, because I, I am a big girl and I was a big, I, I, I started to gain weight through puberty. Yeah. I'm also tall yeah. and he was big and tall and people would mistake him for my father. Okay. And I, and by the way, I don't know my own bio, biological, biological father. father. Yeah. So that meant so much to me and we started yes. to grow a bond. So to get torn from that, um, yeah, that was devastating for me. Oh my goodness, so, I can't imagine. And to go to somewhere I didn't want to be, I completely didn't want to be there. So this is like the second time, um, I mean, when you left your parents' home, you, you said you had a rough relationship with your mom, but at the same time, she's still your mom and you had some type of bond with her because you missed her. And then you go into foster care mm-hmm then you make a meaningful bond with your foster father. And then again, it's another upheaval to be rooted off. And, and then you're to the place where you don't even want to be in the first place. That for a child yeah. to process is a lot. It's a lot. And honestly, um, when you say bond, I really want to okay. uh, quantify that because there was never a bond. Okay, so the bond with my mother, I think is spiritual. Because mm-hmm. I just feel like you're a kid, you want your mom. Yes. Um, so there was that. It was a yearning for my mother mm. constantly. But as far as a bond with her, we did not share anything special. Wow. It, and that's so sad, that Ooh, sad to hear. And I feel like I want to cry to to be not only deprived of that, but also it be such a negative mm-hmm. um space is it's really I know I haven't touched the depths of how painful that has been so once I wound up leaving my mother's house now as a teenager this is the second estrangement yes and um our our interaction was always intermittent now that I think of it, um, it was intermittent in foster care. It was intermittent in when 
yes, our relationship was always intermittent now that I think about it. It was, there was no stability in it. And even when I lived with my mother alone, I lived with my mother alone that I could remember Mm -hmm. from the age of four, because when I came from Haiti, Mm -hmm. two to four years old, we were all with my grandparents. Yes. So when I was four years old, that's when she married her husband Mm -hmm. and I was with her from four to eight. So really I was with my mother in, mm-hmm. in her household, the guests with her for four years. four years. And even then it was intermittent. And I tell you why, because I was always yearning for her company. Like I, I felt like I never had her. Yes. So she so, was present, but not present. She, correct. She was emotionally unavailable. 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 Um, and it's so interesting talking about the story because I, I don't think I've ever spoken about it in totality, not even in therapy, to be honest, because yeah. because you like tell the story like once, but you don't go through the you don't deep go, parts yes. of the Yeah. So the, it's just hearing it myself is like, wow. So yeah. our relationship was always intermittent, basically. And uh, so when I left her house at 18 years old, I was mad and I wasn't trying to reach out to her. And my mother, she can, she holds a grudge and which makes sense. It makes sense that she has to be this hardened. Mm. It, It makes sense. So we spoke to each other, but it was, it was always volatile, Mm. always. And now that I think about it, it was, she carries a great deal of guilt. I, yes. I know it because eventually she wound up telling me when I lived in her house mm-hmm. that she spoke to uh, my stepfather and he finally admitted it. Oh my goodness. So all this time you were ostracized, you were ostracized from your family. You made that to be a liar. You made that you were this young child who seduces grown people. And yep. then your stepfather to admit it and your mom to know. Yeah. That must have felt like a knife through the heart. Yep. I told her, like, so what does that wow. mean for me now? Like, yeah. And, and that was actually before I left her house. So, um, like, she's felt a great deal of oh, guilt man. towards me. And I think for her, it is better for me to be the bad guy because yes. then she'd have to turn in. Yes. And she, like, it must feel like death. It does. Death her. It does. Yes. So is she, she's not with your stepdad anymore. Oh, she still remains she with him. She is not. She oh, is not. Yeah. They, they eventually got a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know when, but it was after, it was around the time I was 18 years old. Okay. So, um, what happened where the estrangement like got really like, I didn't speak to my mother for seven years for uh, a part of my life because yes. we got into a major argument because um, I was making the effort of seeing my siblings. I was yeah. always in the mindset of, I want to keep this family, family solid. Together. Yes. Yes. And it was not my position, but that's the position that I took. Yeah. So I did my best to be present for my siblings, though I wasn't with them. And mm-hmm. I and I felt guilt because 
I didn't want them to go through what I went I, through. That's really what I was me. trying to yeah. protect them from. Yes. Um, and I recognize not that it's particularly unhealthy, but it's not like that was a lot of burden for me to carry. Yeah, that wasn't my own. I think but you picked one, up. I think you picked up the others around you, or your mom was not maybe doing that, so you took it upon yeah. yourself to do it. Exactly. And I, it was like, it was a Christmas and I had bought presents yeah. for my siblings and I forgot what was said, but something where my, my mother was like, she got mad and said, I didn't ask you to buy these coats anyway, because I bought them some coats wow. and I literally blew up. Yes. I literally... I told her everything I'd ever wanted to say in all the years of my life. It was building. It was building and it burst. burst. Yes. And so after that, I did not speak to her for seven years. Although at yeah. that point, I was still speaking to my siblings. Um, and, how, but I always... How, how old were they at this point? They were teenagers because at that point I was 23 years old. So they were like still very young and still in my mother's yeah. house. So, but I still tried to keep in contact with them and do what it is that they needed basically. Yeah. Um, so that happened, didn't speak to her for seven years. I got married. I only told her that after I got married, it was years after um, I let her know that my husband and I were moving to Jamaica. That's wow. the information. And I was shocked at how it affected her. Like it affected her. I was shocked. In what way? I was like, she was saddened. Like she, like, I was struck. Yeah. I, I, I didn't understand her sadness or. Yeah. Because she's never I shown it to you before. It. She's never shown this never. idea that I miss you. Did she try to reach out to you the entire time when you didn't communicate with her? Or did she try to We make communicated it very in, infrequently. And I yeah. don't remember if it was her reaching out to me. Mm -hmm. I want to say, like, I don't, I don't recall my mother doing too much of the reaching out. And at this point, I really, I was yearning for the relationships in my life. Yeah. So I would do the reaching out and not notice what wasn't being reciprocated. That has changed, but like, I really wanted a family and I was creating that joint, yeah. regardless of what anybody else wanted. Yes. This was my agenda. Yeah. And I thought because I'm so strong-willed that it would work. It did not. not work. It did not work. It did not work. So, yes, I, I, um, we spoke intermittently, mm -hmm. and then I, I actually wound up separating from my husband this is yeah. years later. And I, this was a miracle. Actually, I was in Jamaica, and mm -hmm. I was really broke. And yeah. I didn't know how I was going to get away from there. I needed to yeah. come back to, back to the, the US. US. My mother paid the plane ticket. I, wow. I was shocked. So I this was, is mom coming to the rescue. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> and I mean, I'm like, God exists. <laughs> I, she was the last person I expected yeah. to do that. Uh, but again, because she has her own issues going on, 
mm-hmm. she fell back right into the, the normal pattern of thing. Yeah. So really, honestly, this is a couple of years later, I've cut out contact from my entire family. Right. So um, how this finally happened is I expressed to you before we started recording that I'm recovering from an eating disorder. I'm recovering yeah. from bulimia. Yeah. And it's so interesting what addictions cover. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. It's a huge because, spectrum. Girl, I was covering and making up for a lot of things with food. Yes. So food was keeping me company. Food was um, tending to my emotions. Food, mm. food was doing a whole lot of things that food really can't do. Yes. So once I let go of that, I'm sorry about the music in the background. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, once I let go of this addiction is when I started coming to turn. It was come to Jesus moments constantly. Yes. And this was from November of 2019. I've been coming to Jesus from 2019. I'm still coming to Jesus. Um, These things are not resolved within me, but I came to a point where I was like, just no more. Yeah. It didn't matter what relationships that I had because I'm great with boundaries, but not with people I really want relationships with. So do you find sometimes you self-sabotaging? Self-sabotaging what? Well, sometimes when we've experienced through trauma and this particularly bad relationship and when we witness to them, sometimes when we come across certain relationships and when things go well, we start thinking, okay, well, it's about to go wrong. You're about to betray Mm. me. Anytime now you're going to do this right? We are on higher alert all the time. We're trying to find the familiar pattern of betrayal, right? Right. And sometimes the brain can make connections of things that are of a familiar pattern, but not the same thing. And then it can lead to a particular reaction or particular act, which also the other person reciprocating thinking, hey, what's the hell is going on here? They're reacting in a particular way, right? Right. And then before right. you know it, we start to create that particular environment with the used to, the, you know, the toxicity that we've grown up around. So eventually what we, we start realizing is that we create the same environment that we're trying to shift from. That is, you just described my marriage. That was, that oh. was my marriage. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what happens in my marriage. Yeah. Um, but in 2019, what happened was I started setting boundaries Boundaries. with people that I love um, and was willing to accept if what the the thing I came to understand is if I am loved Mm -hmm. I will not have to work for it it will be reciprocated yes that's one thing that in giving up uh depending on food like that settled in me and I understood Yes. So I be I began to observe the people around me, not not be the one that was doing everything. I mm. sat back and literally all the people that I thought I was close to, my siblings, no, exactly. And then my mother, um, she had like yelled at me one last time, and I was like, "There is." I was just to myself. I'm like, 
I don't care who it is. Mm -hmm. I will not take disrespect and I will not engage in it. Like this is, this has been going on years enough. So I just let that go. I let all of it go. So I've been, I've been going through a deep mourning since 2019. I mourned, I mourned. So when you said, when you were explaining in the beginning about uh, not thinking about what happened constantly and not being angry. I went through that That's in stage. 2019 to 2020. So through the pandemic, wow. these of all were, times. girl, <laughs> this, <laughs> this was hell. What yeah. helped me to get through it is thank God I was in mm-hmm. recovery groups. Yes. So I was able to be in contact with people who understood not the estrangement part, but the, the parts of me in recovery that needed tending to or yes. attention or care. So that's really what helped me through that. But I mourned so heavily. Yes. I thought about the situations constantly. Yeah. I, I damn near drove myself mad is how it felt. Yeah, um, I can understand that. Honestly, it's, I uh, drove myself yes. The only thing that kept me, and this was a big thing, is that I knew I handled each situation with integrity mm-hmm. and, and, and respect for myself. And I honored the person and I honored God. I really yeah. gave it a lot of thought. Thoughts, yes. And I said, I know I cannot do any more than mm-hmm. what I've done. Yes. It would be for the person to reciprocate for me to be a because they're just like if you're two people dancing Mm -hmm. if one person isn't dancing both of you can't dance no so it'll be one person i couldn't take another step or actually both if you're together and only one person is dancing you're gonna have to stop because you're no longer able to carry out that dance yes you know so so we both are we're at a standstill and yes. I'm not used to being at no standstill, Marion. Like you're, use, you're using to be a fixer. You're using to be the one to reaching out. You're using one to fix the relationship. You are the guilt of your younger siblings. So you're the one to trying to reach out to them, trying to make the relationship connect. So in, a, in other yeah. words, they've never had to work to do that because you are always doing it. But when you're Correct. doing it is that you became boundaryless. And I think yeah. sometimes when we are boundaryless, we say things yes to things that we shouldn't say yes to when we actually saying yes to others we say no to ourselves and yeah. eventually when we keep saying no to ourselves it's like again i imagine that no is a person inside with a chisel just chiseling away at you and eventually at some time you realize it's not it's a one-way relationship it works in within one-way dimensions and that does it's, right. not, it's not sustainable right and when we come into the knowing, when we come, actually, this is not right. And when you start putting up your boundaries to people who've never, who've been boundaryless in terms of your relationship, you can become a shock to the system to them. In matter of mm-hmm. fact, how dare you? And it will mm-hmm. just the process to get the same reaction. So, but remember, it's because the boundaries are not there in the first place. But you, and most of us, we don't know about boundaries. We don't know how put right. We don't even know what it looks like. Right. right and for me from you it looks like you've had a lot of guilt as well because you managed to recognize the guilt in your mother 
So you can also recognize some of the guilt, you, which you should never have felt because you're just a minor when things happen to you, right? right? And then you spend the rest of your time trying to fix everything. Yeah. That's your detriment again. Yeah. So you are that strong friend, but you actually needed to put that cape down. You know, yeah. that superhero cape that you had for all yeah. these years, it needed to come down. And then when it came down, yeah. you almost like the chips fell down. You'd be like, now you can just be you. You can go through that healing. You can process those complex emotions, which you still are. It sounds mm-hmm. like you've been through a lot of trauma and it's going to mm-hmm. take a while to process all the emotions that you've gone through because there's abandonment, there's neglect, there's abuse. Mm. There's just, it's like every, there's so much you've gone through and it's like a yeah. whole big baggage of that. And it, it, every time I think whenever we begin to acknowledge and process, we make mm-hmm. one bag, we're just chipping off all the little bags one by one and dropping them off. Yeah. 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 That was a great summary of what, (laughs) of what it is I'd experienced. So where I would say I am now, because, um, to be honest, the term family estrangement, I only found that out like a couple of months ago. I did not know Mm -hmm. the terminology. So I had been looking intermittently for this what I'm going through, I could not find it. Yes. Um, so it was, it was a vacancy that I, I needed help with, but I, the vocabulary wasn't there. Wasn't there. Absolutely. So when I, when I really started looking up that word, I forgot where I heard it, but I was like, that's what it is. And then a whole world of, opened up. I wouldn't say a whole world, but a lot of information came out just from that one vocabulary estrangement yes like that that really did it and I think that's unfortunate because so many more people can can benefit from being opened up to this part of you know this secret society that exists it is and I think Um, it's a secret because literally your experiences my experiences mm -hmm. and many others is literally counter narrative to the main mm-hmm. picture, especially for us living in the West, right? Whether right. you're in the US, I'm in the UK, or there's a, mm-hmm. there is a particular picture that is portrayed to us, on, whether in the television, in the media, about what happy family is meant to look like. Correct. What a mom yep. is meant to look like, what a dad is meant to look like, yep. what a sibling's meant to look like, what adult yep. relations, and then actually estrangement shatters all that. Correct. Right? So we keep it hidden in the crevices of society. But you know what? We are part of society. There are many people that go for family estrangement, yeah. but because it's not spoken about, and some people just don't want to say. They don't want to say, yeah. oh, you know, it's now common when I speak to people who speak to my podcast, oh, no, I haven't spoken to insert the family member for 10 years. I haven't seen him on. Then I found out they've died. And it's the wow. month when I hear they found out they've died. I said, how did you feel? Oh, I, I felt sad, but they were not part of my life for 20 years. So it's almost like yeah it's it's a really strange it's um it is a phenomena but at the same time it is something that a lot of people go through and there you know there's another wording for it. some people say fragmented families mm-hmm. in terms of occupation um mm-hmm. and i use the term fragmented and estrangement interchangeably together mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but sometimes i'll say estrangement sometimes it's estrangement completely whereas fragmented you know, someone could be in prison, someone could be for mm. their fragmented relationship, etc., um, mm. etc. Et so that's the way I use it inter- interchangeably for both. 
So yeah, how did, how did you find is... a community help? Once you begin to realize there's a word, there's a, there's a, there's a word to your experience. And then you start mm-hmm. searching all this space and connecting to communities. And did that shed a different light to you? Did that finally be like, oh my gosh, there's other people going through exactly the same thing as me. What was that haha moment for you? I would say I what happened for me is I recognized to a large extent that I'm not alone because I started reading statistics and yes. I was amazed by the statistics uh, with the vocabulary that also gave me power. I felt like it was a power yeah. and I was able to find you. That is literally, I might have, I might have found you like the next day or something like oh, that. Wow. Um, and what that experience did for me is I like to shed honest light on any situation that I've experienced because I find that when I need the help, I don't find it because of people keeping quiet or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. whenever someone speaks up about a situation they really empower other people uh, this, absolutely so I really so with with all my might when I found this so secret society I was like I will never anything that I can mm-hmm. talk about I will not keep secret yes because I need the help mm-hmm. hear me I'm quiet about it the instant yeah. I started looking for it, I found it yes. and I'm getting the comfort and the light and the answers that I need. So yes. I'm going to do that for other people. So I became unapologetic to be absolutely, honest. I, absolutely. And this is why I started a podcast as well as the Instagram page. I realized actually, you know, same like you, I, I was familiar with the term due to my background. I have trained mm. as a social worker. Um, okay. So I'm familiar with the terminologies using family estrangement, uh, shut, uh, you know, scattered family, fragmented family. Mm-hmm. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I didn't find there was a lot of personal experience being shared on a large platforms like Instagram in a way that most right. people can relate to. And I also realized right. that sometimes when we don't have the language for it, we kind of develop the mindset to allow us to navigate from estrangement yeah. to a place where we can actually learn how to live with it, right? Yes, and I realized there yes. was a gap. And then there's a few times I sit there, I'm like, oh my God, man, what are you doing? Why are you taking on such a big task? And I'm like, wait a mm. minute, there's somebody out there listening. So, you yes. know, it's, and then also when we can relate to other people's stories, we do, as you said earlier, something very important that you mentioned is that we feel less alone because there's yeah. somebody out there who you have to walk away from your family. It sounds like to me for your sake of your mental health, for your sake right. of healing. So there's right. the terminology, you can become the estrangee or you can become the person who you would become straight, people strange from you, right? right? And everybody has their own reasons. So now I realize within this paradigm that we're living in, there are people that have had to walk away for their own sake, for their own mental health. And there are right. people that other people have walked away from them and they don't understand why people have walked away from them. They literally don't. Right. So right. for that, I just started consuming books as well and understanding both sides of the spectrum. Um, right. And I realized in in odd, if the person, say for example, if you walked away from people, but it wasn't like narcissistic abuse or, you know, sometimes you have manipulators, sometimes people could be hurting. Another time, people just don't know when they're infringing on other people and they do it right. over a period of time 
to the point that the other person cannot take it no more and they're just like I don't want to see this person anymore and there's right. other people like yourself where you've just been on the receiving end of constant abuse so this is what I call to you it was compounding trauma upon trauma right. upon trauma disappointment disappointment and it led to the one final argument then you walk away and you know your mom is probably thinking wow we only told her she needed to get those jackets and you right. erupted in such a way and that led right. to exchange so in our mind she's probably thinking god she overreacted on a jacket but in your right. mind it was just compound just at the same way you put money in the bank and there's compound interesting over a period of time to right. you it was compounding trauma and hurt and pain and disappointment that just came out in one moment and to some people that would have been a trivial moment right mm-hmm. like it was not like unusual for many other arguments and i remember you said your grandparents they were arguing every single day and that mm-hmm. was a normal dynamic that they had developed your mom would have been right. in that dynamics so arguing right. and holding grudges and thinking you the next day it was a way of relating it was the way that she was taught how to communicate with people right. and guess right. what when the parents at home are arguing all the time there's not really space for the children there's physical space but there's no emotional space because they're really preoccupied with whatever that's going on with them so they become emotionally unavailable right yeah to some degree maybe that's how your mom learned this and emotional unavailability maybe emotional availability Mm. was not something that was afforded to her right so Mm. she cannot give you what she was never taught however did she relate differently to her younger siblings that would be another question I was meant to ask you earlier um I would say yes she has and no she hasn't in certain ways um my sister looked to me more for emotional in, um not just emotional intelligence but presence um yeah. at one time and that caused a strange dynamic between her and my mother because my mother didn't like that yeah um and I, I do think, yes, that she treats my other siblings different than, than I, because I'm just, I'm like a cancer to her. I, I think that's what it is because like there is guilt that she will, yeah. she does not know how to dislodge from. Mm. And I'm not holding it to her. Um, yeah. She is holding it to herself. So because she's, she's holding it, she can't see if I'm willing to forgive her or not, because she's probably thinking I would never forgive a person for doing that. Oh, of course, yes. And has she ever said sorry? Um, I had written a poem to her before in 2015, and this poem is a doozy. It's actually on my Instagram page. Like I, I recited the poem, but I said it to her and we both literally bawled it was okay. and so I it thought that her. was like a new beginning like she cried and, and it's it's called what's the name of the poem I forgive you and right. so she asked me if 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 I could forgive her and I said yes yes but again these were the things that I when I finally learned even though she can't help herself and I'm upset I I used to, before these types of interactions, I used to think she did this on purpose. purpose. She literally can't help it because she's not doing the work. Like she cannot help it because mm-hmm. I could see her remorse 
mm-hmm. and I could see that she she wants to but when it all comes back down to it the same, same. pattern started to and it's me like I am the problem because I will give her the pushback I will yeah. give her all the pushback yeah so I removed myself from that equation yeah so it was almost like you go to a place where things okay and then it goes back to the normal cycle etc right yeah what about you like I had to remove myself yeah I'm sorry go ahead I was gonna say what about your siblings now Uh, my siblings and I so my brother who's right after me he always had like a distance to him whenever we would reach try to reach to him or talk to him he would um contact us back in days and Mm. to chase after him so I decided I wasn't doing that anymore no more um and then my sister and I we were closer so there's four of us uh one of my sisters is autistic so she's with my mother Mm. and by by location yes she's more distant because I can't reach her and that used to kill me but I'm not her mother. Like I, I really started to understand. I'm not her mother. I love my sister, but mm-hmm. the things I wanted to do for her, it's not my job to do. Yes. Um, but my little sister and I, she was the youngest. Mm-hmm. We were really, close. really close. Yeah. And I don't know what happened. There's something that happened. This is was the driving myself insane and constantly oh, thinking about you. in 2019. Yes that started to dissipate and I did not have any idea why I think it's connected to perhaps guilt with um the relationship with my mother and her yeah I don't know the fullness of it and I've finally come to a point where I don't need to know the fullness of it like I'm because if somebody loves you they're gonna show you yeah they're like because she would she we were close and then she started giving mixed messages and at that point I was like Whenever it's a mixed message, just look at it as a no. Yeah. Like I don't do mixed messages. It wasn't mixed before. Yes. So now it's getting mixed. I had a final conversation with her. Um, and I told her how I felt. I actually asked her if I offended her, if mm-hmm. I did anything. And, and she said no. no. And I let her behavior speak for itself. Cause I'm I've come to understand I don't need the words. Mm-hmm. The behavior and the pattern is going to show me everything, everything I need. Yes. And so, and I started to observe that and mm-hmm. she did not keep contact. And for me, I was like, I accept, accept that. Yes. Yes. Um, and it was painful. Painful is not the word. the word. I would have died for this girl. Like that's how yeah. much she was like my daughter. I would yes. say that. Yes. Um, and she she recently got married, I think something like last year. And she let me know, like to invite me. And I did not go. I did not go because like I was expressing this to someone and they they were like, well, it was me trying to gain some sort of control. It wasn't that Mm -hmm. it was me finally assessing Mm-hmm. whether environments were safe for me or not yes because I used to if somebody needed me I would do what they needed regardless you would say yes 
Yes. But at this point, I was like, I'm going to be in an environment where my mother is there. Mm -hmm. My grandmother is there. And it was far away from me. I'm like, why would I do this to myself? Yes. So I I, did not go. Rachel, can I just stop you there for a minute? Do you know how many people (laughs) who are strange from certain family members and they get an invite to such event and they're sitting there for weeks and weeks and weeks literally contemplate whether they should go or not even go to speak to a therapist even to strategize how it's going to work and if I go do I take somebody with me for a backup because you know you're going to sometimes end up what it feels like a lion's den right yes so and 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 that's what people who's never gone for family streams they don't understand that bit you're literally in your mind you're going into a battlefield right yes and yeah. it's going to be sometimes and sometimes there is animosity you know people don't understand the level of animosity that you can be dealing with it is pretty mm-hmm. hard to deal with right yeah so people think well you know what well, maybe you're just overthinking about it too much but at the same time if they're not reaching out to you either you can accept that yeah you know because <laughs> sometimes you're, you're reaching out to me because you're getting married like yeah yeah keep that same energy like people to yeah. keep the same energy yeah like so before no, no. prior to the wedding invite when was the last time you had heard from your sister months <laughs> months when i say months i'm talking about something like um did she invited me like in january mm-hmm. um i think we there was like some oh we we used to have a sibling chat and then there was the merry christmas um mm-hmm. um text and and for these things that started agitating me not not only agitating me but like whenever I would see a text from my siblings it would upset my nervous system and I was like I have to do something about this like I could mm-hmm. not take it so it was the Merry Christmas text before that it was but it was like that little yes. level of interaction and then you're like inviting me to your wedding right I'm like these two this like Sesame Street which one of these do not fit like that does not fit and there was no way I was going to put myself in and Lion's Den was perfect because I thought about everybody who was going to be there if my sister and I were in a good place yes because I I would have a safe a safe yeah. corner. Yeah. I don't have no safety me going to this wedding. Mm, yes. And I actually thought about, I, I knew, let me see. I'm trying to think how I felt. Did I immediately know? I No, I contemplated going yes. um, briefly. And then I thought about like the safety thing. And that's really what I, what has been on my mind lately. Mm-hmm. And then I said, no, I won't. And I left her like the kindest text that yeah. I could put together. Like yeah. I, I let her know that I care about her, but as far as my safety, that's number one right now. Yeah. So, cause at that um, point you've learned about your boundaries now they're like, exactly, yes. exact. I was really proud of myself, yeah. but again, this is that secret part of like, cause you'll see quotes on Instagram, held your boundaries. Holding your boundaries is not something that is, you won't always feel proud in the moment. Cause no. it's so hard. I, I, I knew I was doing the right thing. Cause I checked in with God on multiple occasions with this, mm-hmm. but having to 
do that final act. Oh my God. It was it was it was a lot. I can imagine. So with with the with um you know sometime when it comes to the circumstance you're on, if you're going to the wedding, then what would have happened after the wedding? Go back to the normal, sporadic, very intermittent. Of course. Perhaps happy birthday. And yeah. 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 So I was, I just announced to her that I'm not going to play this game anymore. Yeah. That's and, basically what I did. Like, and you remember yeah. when she distanced herself, you don't, to today, you don't know what happened. No, because she said that she nothing, nothing was wrong. Yeah, but so she, nothing is yes. wrong. Yes, and, and I behave you tell there's something is not right. Because at the same time, you're not silly. You know, if you go communicating with somebody all the time, to them pulling back all together, and then you're asking what's wrong. Because I think sometimes we ask what's wrong to make it right, right? You ask right. what's wrong, so you're hoping the person says, "Oh, I'm upset because you did this or you said this, right? Or you did that, right?" right. Because sometimes we can't, you know, I accept that some, I might upset people, but I don't mean to do it. Like I might right. have said something or I might have done something or right. whatever, but it was not my intention to upset the receiver. But sometimes you just right. don't know. We can't always know how our actions will be received by other people, right? Because right. sometimes we can, you know, like I've ever been around people who make joke a lot. They just joke all the time, right? They just, yeah. everything about them is always joking. And to mm. some degree, sometimes they could have stopped setting people around them because they're just joking too much or making sometimes right. jokes to the point that sometimes right. we think, oh, should we invite this person out? <laughs> like, Look, we've got sensitive member of the person coming. We know right. this person makes inappropriate jokes. It might not be suitable for them to come because in their mind, they just think they're making people laugh. Another time they're really upsetting people. So I accept that right. sometimes all of us, we, there's time in our life we upset people, but we don't mean to. And that was right. never intentions in the first place. And for me, right. if someone does, I would ask, oh, what's the matter? Did I do something? And I would right. ask her multiple times. And I've done the same thing that you've done. I would mm-hmm. ask, I would reach out. And I remember to one of my family members, I said, okay, well, is everything okay? And nothing. I, am, I kept going back. I'm calling voice notes, whatever. And after that, I said, okay, well, clearly there's something, but you don't wish to share. So right. this is my last message, very politely very very right right yep because you know at the end of the day there's only so much you can do okay all right and people have to be communication is a two-way thing because if someone does not share what's upsetting them and you don't know you can always repeat it again and for me if if someone asks me now if i've done something if i'm what did i do my i'll try the most polite way to explain okay i'm a little bit unhappy because of one two three four five six it might right. not be your intention, but that's, and often sometimes a person can explain to you, no, 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 that was not my intention. I think for you, you never go out your way to hurt your sister at all. Right. It sounds like you Correct. were so close to her because it seems like that particular estrangement, there's some estrangement that hurt more than others. So it sounds like your brother yeah. has always been very distant. So it yeah. was like, okay, I'm upset with that, but whatever. Right. Your mom was like, you know what, with this turbulent relationship and actually for my mental right. health, I can do with some space. With your sister, right. was like, wait a minute here. This is, this is killing me, right? And sometimes I, my my heart was broken. Yeah. yeah. And your grandparents, it was like, you know what? I'm just happy to be away. <laughs> yeah. You really listened so well. You captured that completely. Yes. No, I did. Yeah. So yes. And um, so, how is Rachel today? 
Um, so today I am really focused on figuring myself out. Yeah. I would say for the first time ever, um, yeah. learning myself intimately um, and dealing, dealing with my very difficult emotions. Like yeah. these are, I, I think I've been a stranger to myself, to be yes. honest. Like I haven't really ever gotten to know myself. Yeah. I knew kind of of me, but yes. getting to really connect with me. Mm. And as, as I've heard, um, what is that integrated family systems? Like where you get to learn all the parts of yourself that are within yourself. Yes. That joint is so real where yeah. I connected to the little girl in yes. me. I didn't, I haven't connected completely, but I'm, yes. I'm in communication. I've communicated to the enraged teenager in me. Yeah. Oh my God. So I'm learning which aspects of me react yes. and are triggered mm -hmm. and that need nurturing, even identifying them. I'm oh, working yes. on that now. Yeah. So there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of feeling sorry for myself. There was a lot of that happening. Um, but then I recognized in the moment that I feel sorry for myself, because I still do it at times, yeah. I recognize the, how do you say that? The, it's not the, sur, not the surrender. Mm -hmm. It's like I've given up when yes. I pity myself. Yes. So I, I let it happen until it's like, this is to no end. Yes. And then I pray to God, like really in that moment, I'm like, okay, God, what it is, is I'm scared yes. or I'm like, I identify my emotions and yes. I do a bucket load of crying. Oh yes. my God. Processing and getting load. it out. Yes. Ooh. And in this time period, it's so interesting where yeah. my boundaries have been um, challenged. Like I'm yeah. constantly learning to keep my boundaries, but I'm also learning in that what my standards are like, oh, yes. I have standards. Yes. And you know, I was going to say, if you don't set your mm -hmm. standards, someone will set the standards for you. Right. And that's so a very slippery in, slope. Oh, yeah. So I'm learning to set the standard. And what I'm finding now is the relationships that I'm growing, because it is a very difficult place to be alone. Yes. And that's also something that I did not talk about because I felt ashamed. And I just, I refuse to feel ashamed about that because no, I am divorced. Yeah, I am divorced. I am estranged from my family and I, the relationships that I am building now are new. Yes. So it's so easy to fall into the pattern of taking any relationship, but hell yeah. no, like that no. doesn't work. Yeah. So it's a painful thing to, to have very few relationships, but, but also so you reject a bunch of relationships. Exactly. Because now you know what you can reject and you don't have to accept anything, including the bottom of the yes. barrel things that come to you. Yes. And yes. also I did post a couple, several weeks back about strange men can be a starting point. 
it doesn't have right. to be the end it can be the beginning right right Why can you not use estrangement <laughs> to formulate the type of relationship because the reality is we don't pick the immediate family we're born with we're born into a family we didn't pick it now i, I sure believe, didn't and i wouldn't have picked them but go ahead arguably <laughs> i would say um i am you know so depending what school thoughts you in terms of religion indoctrination now, uh-huh. people that believe in reincarnation or the people that believe in spiritual, they say we, we preview and we pick the family that we're going to be born into to learn I've a particular lesson in life, right? <laughs> so I feel like if we come back into this lifetime, I know that you speak about a whole heap of stuff on your podcast. <laughs> so we, let's go and raise your territory here. Yes. Let's, let's go and raise your story. So, so, you know, there's a Christianity thoughts of uh, like the past life and the afterlife and the life after death, etc. And there's also school thoughts that we do reincarnate. There's a big population out there that believe we reincarnate. However, and we're here to learn lessons, right? And we could never learn all the lessons in a lifetime, okay? Now, have you ever met people? Some people are amazing with boundaries. Some people are amazing with this. Some people are dealing with addiction. Some people are dealing with this. Everybody's on their own life journey. So everybody's on their own life journey. And this particular journey, we're supposed to learn something, okay? So I look at it, okay, mm-hmm. maybe if I've, if I've gone through this estrangement, maybe I'm supposed to learn from it. What am I learning about myself? What am I mm-hmm. learning how to navigate this life? Can you formulate different relationships? And then to me, I literally look like, okay, if life is a classroom, it means circumstances are lessons, right? So how do I begin mm-hmm. to navigate these lessons and turn them to painful experiences, into purpose okay and I said if something's not breaking me what is it doing okay it's breaking me emotionally but I'm still sitting here physically okay Mm -hmm. and you have Mm -hmm. to understand what you went through as family estrangement back in the day uh, you know we still got our primitive brain and you know to be in a part of family unit meant survival right so when you're not part of that family unit anymore and and, uh, going by the society standards as well back in the day would have meant literally death because you'd have been ostracized to be left with the wild animals and then you wouldn't survive because you're out of the village but nowadays it's not really the case we are even when you're strange you've got your own place you can survive by yourself you're in your own home you know we're it's literally the mental torture that we have to go through but at the same time i feel like if I take everything as a lesson, because we're in something called a school of life, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It means, okay, what do I need to do to pass this lesson? So then I'm like, okay, so this is a weird lesson. I hate it. It makes me feel really crappy. Um, mm-hmm. but what steps do I need to take? What do I need to learn? What mindset do I need to develop? So this thing does not preoccupy my mind anymore, right? And mm-hmm, how can I mm-hmm. use it to reach on to other people as well? So that's literally right. how I look at strange. I'm like, wow, this is a very interesting lesson. A horrible one for that matter. I hate it. Mm-hmm, but here's mm-hmm. the thing. Now I'm learning about it. And I'm going to come out on the other side. And, you know, we're going to continue on a life called journey. And through that life, you're going to have other people come into your life. Right. What through estrangement gives you particular filters, right? Yeah. Just like when you go through certain traumas, you develop certain acute senses to pick up certain right. things in your environment. I think estrangement right. does that too. So now your boundaries are up you re- you know this relationship are not particularly good i'm not willing to put up with it no more right yes yeah there you go so i think you, you are there at the moment <laughs> yeah that has really like i feel what what i think to myself is if i can put up a boundary that strong with my sister yeah. whom i would have died for yeah. i ain't taking shit from nobody excuse my language but that's so yeah. i feel like i've gotten a sense of empowerment 
yes. from that. But yes. with that empowerment, I'm building new relationships and that takes time. It does. And I have found some beautiful relationships um, in this time period, some beautiful relationships that yes. I've, I never would have imagined I, because I didn't have the capacity, to be mm -hmm. honest. So I am gaining some beautiful relationships, but the relationships, like I, I recognize the thing that I want is intimacy and it's yes. not simply intimacy with a man. Not only that, I want that yeah. too, yeah. but intimacy with my relationships, with my close yeah. relationships so that I can quite literally be seen in, in my fullness. Yes. Um, and I've never truly had that before. I'm I'm gaining mm -hmm. it now. But yeah. in the past, I, I feel like I held on to the relationships in the past, not recognizing mm -hmm. that what I wanted, I was not getting, getting. anyway. Yeah. I was really not getting it. Yes. So my mind is starting to shift, mm -hmm. but really I'm doing a bucket load of work. Of work. I'm in yes. some different... Uh, yes. 12 step programs. I'm mm -hmm. in, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of ACA. Um, What's that? What does it stand for? Adult child. Oh my God. Adult children of dysfunctional families, families. or right. adult children of alcoholics. Oh, okay. um, yeah. And they put that together and basically it's for both, whether you're mm -hmm. in a dysfunctional family, mm -hmm. um, not from alcoholism or from alcoholism. And yeah. that has been extremely helpful because it's, it's helped me to understand the insanity yes. that I was in, but I'm really doing the work is so it's draining. It's it just, draining. It can be but draining. I always feel like sometimes I, I, I I know exactly what you're saying about being draining, but I always remember the, uh, the analogy about the mountain is that when you're mm. on the bottom of the mountain and you've got to get to the peak, to get to mm. the peak, you, by the time you reach there, the summit, right? You're mm -hmm. gonna be drained. You're gonna mm -hmm. be absolutely drained. So you have to look at it and it's gonna be a process. It's gonna be a journey. And through that time, you're gonna have time, you look back and be like, hey, oh no, I'm not going any further. I don't want to yeah. go any further. In matter of fact, I want to go back down the mountain. I like it there. I am familiar with the base of the mountain. I am familiar with anger. I am familiar with resentment. I'm familiar with not knowing myself. I'm familiar with certain relationship. Right. I want to stay there because getting to the peak, it requires a process. It requires resilience. It requires building resilience. It requires building ooh, stamina, ooh. right? It requires all of that. <laughs> and sometimes it is exhausting because when you're trying to introduce new concepts to the brain, the brain is like, leave me the hell. <laughs> like, why do you want me to go there? We're just happy here. Let's stay here. We don't need to go anywhere else. Right. Why do I have to learn to love myself? What's that even? Oh my God. I was never loved by this person. How, <laughs> what do you mean I'm lovable? No, I like this space. But you have to override that voice. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> and so that's where I am today so yeah. um I wanted to really show yeah the ugly side of what it can be like even yeah. though beauty is coming out of it there is beauty anyway in yeah in me advocating for myself and learning to take care of myself but there it's not complete yes. and um 
I need to say that because I'm really tired of seeing things look shiny and beautiful. And that's just not how life is all the time. So. No, that's not how life is at all. You know, go for estrangement, <laughs> whether you initiated or someone else initiated it, it is a painful process. And at some yep. point you have to do with those emotions you have to do. And I always say nobody is exempt from family estrangement. No one. Mm. Right. Even mm. if you might think you're never strange from it, someone could estrange from you. You just never know. Right. That's and, true. And when you find yourself there, you have to learn how to cope, to navigate this very mm. secret. As you, you know, you said something quite, I've never said it in such a way, this secretive world. It doesn't yeah. feel that way. And I've never actually yeah. used those words. So thank you for actually saying something I felt, but I've never vocalized it. I've always said it's mm-hmm. never spoken of, but it's actually secretive. Mm-hmm. But even if you try to join Facebook group with estrangement, it's like, why do you, who are you strange for? You have to like, there's a door you have to knock and answer. Wow. Yeah. You know, what I'm, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. Because so. before the word, before I knew the word estrangement, I wasn't finding this at all. So yeah. yeah it's yes, it definitely secret. is. Rachel, you know, I am so happy you shared your story because Thank you shared you. the horrible side to estrangement. But you're also given a glimmer of hope that, you know what, you can be, you're completely estranged from all your family members and you're yeah. here talking, you're doing your podcasting. I would love to hear one of your poem one day. I wish I could have put one of your poem at the end about the four. I could uh, give you a poem. I wish I could oh, have that. It's inside. actually, it's on my Facebook page, not my Facebook, my Instagram page, because I have two pages. Oh, okay, um, okay. So maybe we'll talk about you being able to retrieve that yeah that would be amazing and you sounds like you've used a lot of your energy to it's, it's about the energy right uh, whatever mm-hmm. that energy is you're using it now and you're using your voice believe me there's somebody out there you you know I've spoken to people who've been completely estranged from the entire family members entire mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what you're speaking of they would be able to relate to that you know right so I, I am just so happy you shared it on my platform here uh, because Thank I know you. somebody somewhere in the world is listening and yeah. you just make him feel less alone, you know. And they also, there's somebody out there contemplating to do what you've done and they're thinking mm. they will never survive. And the limited mm-hmm. mind belief is telling me to stay in the toxic situations right. without taking a step forward. But when you stay in a toxic situation, it's eroding you inside out. Yeah. You might just Absolutely. give somebody the courage to be like, you know what, I'm just going to put up some boundaries here. Yeah. So it Rachel, will be okay. It will yeah. be okay. So Rachel, where can my listeners find you? Aww. Um, I can be found mostly on Instagram. Yeah. Uh my personal and poetry page is the sassy Rachel. Yes. And my my um podcast page is the soul speak underscore podcast. Yes. And yeah, that's where I can be found. It was an honor. An it's honor been my pleasure. Be no, honestly, it's been my pleasure to have you here. So that is the end of this amazing episode with Rachel. Did you guys love that? imagine she's literally sharing her story of estrangement and why is this important well it is important because when we share our stories we allow people to identify with us 
and also to understand that they're not alone. That is literally my stance because sometimes people go through things and the things no one out there understand, they're completely by themselves and actually I always say there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing. In matter of fact, some things are just brushed under the rug, but it doesn't mean it's new. So what is my takeaway from this wonderful episode with Rachel? Well, my takeaway is Rachel has managed to somehow learn how to live with this. For a long time, at the beginning, Rachel mentioned that she loves to write as a way of releasing the energy. you know, call it the um, the negative energy that festers within her as a way of dealing with life, as difficulties, challenges. And she has done so since childhood. Uh, Rachel did not understand what was going on uh, when she went through, when she was being molested. And it's only until when she saw a distraction at school, a really, really young age, she understand that actually this is what's happening to me. And she was able to speak up and seek help from the adults. And it was that seeking of help led to her and her siblings being taken into foster care. So, and this, you know, Rachel went into foster care from the age of eight. And from then on, it looks like Rachel's life took a serious turn of serious events. Uh, She stayed in foster care. She eventually came out much later in teenager years. And she went to live with her grandparents while her siblings went to live with her mum and stepdad. Through all that, she was ostracized and made to feel as if she was a liar and actually been blamed and also been told that she would be seducing men as a child which I can understand for a kid that's a lot to take on board despite all this Rachel has tried she has had pockets of family reunification but they've not always end ended well now there's many people who have gone for family estrangement where reconciliation and once upon a time was on the table and once upon a time, things did look a little bit bleak because in the end, I think people, we like to be optimistic. So you do go back sometimes. But as our interview went on, it would appear that Rachel has reached that place where she seeked help. She's understanding herself more. And estrangement has almost been empowerment for Rachel she's gone through a level of transcendence as she mentioned earlier you know so sometimes I do say estrangement can be used as a starting point as in okay so this is where I am now and what do I need to do so I've learned that these things happen because I had no boundaries okay so what do boundaries look like in my new relationship so when you enter new relationship with people that you choose you can cultivate the type of relationship that you want but i would say if you've been if you've been through such traumatic traumatic experiences it's really good to learn about yourself it's really good to use those traumatic experiences to dissect who you are right your responses 
your belief, your limited beliefs, all of that. So when you enter somewhere else, you're not entering from a place of emotional deficit. You're not entering from the place where you're not enough. You're not entering from a place where I need you to love me so I can love myself. You're not entering from an empty cup, waiting for someone to fill your cup so you can feel worth it. And I feel that Rachel has reached that place where she's like, I love me and I have worked on me. I'm still a work in progress. But most importantly, I know what and and what I want engage, what the type of relationship I want engage with. That's all for my take. I'm sure there's a lot more. This conversation went on for one hour and 20 minutes. Um, but I hope you learned something from there and from Rachel's experiences. Now, typically I do say that if you've got stories of your, of your own, by your means, reach out to me. I am happy to hear these stories, right? If you've got stories like Rachel, listen, just send me a DM, inbox me, message me. I would love to have you on a podcast. I think the more we share these stories, we can say, ha, huh, so this is what estrangement is. Let others don't feel so alone. Now, you know, Rachel does poetry and she also does our podcast. I am going to link her chat, her Instagram pages and her podcast link onto the show notes so you can reach out to Rachel and communicate with her. Um, yes, so that is all. And Rachel, I know you're going to hear this, but thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, guys, until next time. Bye.